the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, invested in more. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Market reacted positively to a dovish Fed yesterday. Uh, sorry, my voice is still a little on the fried side. I'm trying to rest it a little bit, and it doesn't seem to be helping. Um, so stocks move higher, led by the health sector gains. Uh, the Federal Reserve left interest rates unchanged from historically low levels. Healthcare stocks are amongst the biggest winners today. Fitbit's IPO is out there, and it's doing remarkably well. Um, Kroger, they're up today. Company's latest quarterly results beat expectations. They're a big grocery store. Um, Oracle sank 8% today after the software company reported earnings that fell short of analyst expectations. Um, the Greek drama is still Greek drama. Investors are monitoring events in Europe where Greece and its internal lenders are deadlocked in bailout talks. Uh, and they're starting to call each other names, which is never a good thing when adults call each other names. Um, Oil's up slightly, $60.41 a barrel. Those stocks have started seeing estimates raised, which is an interesting time to get in considerably, considering uh, the dollar weakened basically on the thought that the Fed's going to keep rates low even after September. Um, we'll see. A lot of games going on, right? So let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Excellent. So one of the things you talk about on your show, New Focus on Wealth, you talk a lot about, you know, will you have enough money to retire? And there's a lot of articles on it. Um, a lot of people try to, like, self-educate themselves on, I'm ready to retire. I've hit the magic number. That seems to be a million dollars is starting to become the norm in the Wall Street Journal of that'll pay you forty to 50000 a year. I guess it depends on your budget, but it also depends on income in retirement. Um, how do you set up that million dollars to pay you income in retirement? Well, so those rules of thumb of 4 to 5% income at age 65, and you'll be okay. And each and every year, you'll be able to increase your amount of withdrawals okay. to keep up with inflation. 
Um, typically, those are assumptions that your overall portfolio earns 7% for a balanced portfolio. Okay. Where the last 10 years, balanced portfolios have earned about 6.5%, you know, half stocks, half bonds. Because going forward, though, the next five or six years until rates normalize, what are rates going to be? I mean, we got 2.7% on the 10-year Treasury. It was over 5% prior to 2007. So even though portfolios have recovered from 2007, if your portfolio hasn't recovered from 2007, you're doing something wrong, first of all. You you didn't have enough cash while you were retired to draw on, or you panicked at the bottom. Markets will recover. They will. You just have to be able to have some cash and dividends to live off of in the meantime. But the issue is is that if you retired in, in 2007 versus now, that same 65-year-old needs 24% more assets today to retire at the same level as the person that was was able to lock in 10, 15, 20-year bonds in 2007 because interest rates are a third of where they were then. So if 40% of a portfolio tends to be in safer stuff in retirement on average, 60-40 type of a split, that 40% not only is paying a third of the income, your CDs are only paying less than 1% instead of 4 or 5. So the next five years is key. And unfortunately, the biggest issue is that timing is everything in retirement. So if your poor returns come first while you're drawing money out yep. and you have less compounding in your overall portfolio, long story short, Rob, is it, it's, a, it's a really tough situation where having to look at bond alternatives and different ways to get that, that bond-like income. Stock portfolio hasn't changed. You know what's interesting about what you said? People locked into 20- and 30-year bonds. Mm-hmm. I think that's your world. I think you see high-end clients or well-funded people. I know most of the people I know in retirement, they're afraid to lock in for 10, 20 years. Like, they're more, I have to keep this available short-term for opportunities. And I can't lock it in for 20, 30 years because I'll be dead in 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense what I said? Yeah, and and not necessarily 20, 30 years. I doubt a lot of people, you know, locked in bonds because even in 2007, people thought rates would go higher. Okay. Um, So, but, you know, there's, there's a world of when individual bonds look better versus bond funds. When interest rates are high and stable, you can ladder bond portfolios, and if there's inflation, you buy tips. Those are treasury inflation protected bonds. It's weird because, Chad, it's been a long time since we've seen that scenario that people feel comfortable locking in bonds. They're just, they pay nothing now. Right. And, but we at least now we have, you know, a couple decades of interesting interest rate movements. Sure. And that idea of the between four and a half and six and a half percent on the 10 year treasury, that's when you really consider locking in on longer-term bond portfolios, but you have to be able to hedge. You have to have some of your money in your portfolio that are available for tips, sometimes commodities. A lot of studies are showing that, yeah, you don't really need that commodity fund. You really need more of the tip exposure. And again, those are bonds that pay a lower rate of interest. Yeah, what's interesting, 2008, when all stocks were down, guess what was up? Commodities. Uh, no, gold yeah. and the yeah. because what yeah. happened? I did what, research on this yesterday. What yeah. happened was is the first part of that. A lot yeah. of the hedge funds had to sell their gold and oil positions in order to, to meet liquidation. So there was actually a lot of stuff fell, fell off the cliff. Managed futures is you a different way. You to have get your money. history. I have mine. All right, let's pull it up right now. Ready? Let's let's have a chart fight. Actually, I wanted to change the topic, and um, it does seem weird. Like we've been it's been a long time since we've been in a laddered bond, laddered CDs. Do you remember like we can't talk about that and we used to talk about that ten years ago. Yep. So um I did pull up Apple yesterday, their bonds, their ten year bonds. Three point four, three point five percent. Yeah. So would you as a betting man, would you go after an Apple bond versus a ten year treasury? Or do you still like the security of the US government? 
I, I mean, I don't like, I mean, I wouldn't lock it in unless you had some sort of a hedging strategy on that. I mean, you can get almost the same yield in the stock right now. Okay, that's true. And that's the biggest issue is that people are making. I heard a morning show host early, early morning talking about their income portfolio. And my fear is that a lot of older people are saying, oh, this is an income portfolio. I'm going to take my bond money and I'm going to go get that. And then the stock market drops or interest rates rise and they have a 10 to 20% correction instead of a, okay, I've, my income's still coming in and I've got a cushion for the stock market. So keep your bonds your bonds, your stocks your stocks. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So the new Fitbit IPO is one of those IPOs that kind of drives me crazy. It makes me kind of crazy like the Skull Candy IPO back in 2011 or the digital, the King, King Digital, maker of Candy Crush, made me kind of crazy. Um, or maybe the web van or the pets.com. There's some companies that shouldn't come public, in my opinion. So Fitbit comes public, shoots up 50% instantly. Um, I think the devices are lovely. And to be sure, you know, more and more people are wearing fitness trackers. Um, their numbers are good. Fitbit makes wristbands that measure your heart, pulse, and other fitness indicators and markets them to younger people. As a glance, either it's video roadshow or it's TV ads will make clear. You know, it's all about the young people. The idea is that it's an integral part of the solution to wellness, uh, presumably to heart disease that kills 600,000 Americans annually. Except that less than 1% of Americans under 40 have any heart disease, and that's the core of Fitbit's market is the problem. Only six people, six percent of people under 60 even have the problem. There are plenty of actual medical innovators who matter. Companies like Athena Health or Cerner. Um, companies like Gilead and Amgen. Um, to me, the product is a toy. Perhaps a little bit of a fad. Maybe a fashion statement. But down the road, Apple's going to Apple's going to be pretty dominant at this. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. ahead of the summer driving season. Consumer price index increased four-tenths of a percent. Gasoline prices increased 10.4% last month. Average regular unleaded gasoline prices of $2.80 are up sharply from about $2 in January, but still about $0.86 cents below last year. Airfares climbed 5.7%. Rent up three-tenths of a percent. Medical care service up two-tenths of a percent. Um, egg prices are higher, food costs are higher. You get the idea. Um, this is important because 
Janet Yellen at the Federal Reserve has a job to fight inflation. Um, as well as uh, promote growth. So promoting growth, wait, you lower the cost of money. Fighting inflation, you raise the cost of money. That's the basic ideas. It's not quite always right, but that's the basic ideas. So jobless claims fell to a near 15-year low. That's nice. Um, 280,000 jobs were added in May. That's a strong showing. Last year's monthly average, 263,000, was the most in 15 years. Unemployment rate it sits at 5.5%. Our economist that contributes to the show, Dr. Jeff Rosen with Briefing.com, he doesn't think the Fed should raise interest rates, but the Fed's already saying we're probably going to raise interest rates come uh, September. So setting an improving economy, the Federal Reserve signaled it's on track to raise historically low interest rates as early as September, but the rates are likely to climb more gradually than it had previously anticipated. So a long, slow lift is what they're calling for at this point in time. Um, Fitbit, I've kind of hit on it a little bit, but I hate it. To me, it feels like a fad. I use a fitness tracker, and they're heavily pushed towards people who don't want to get heart disease. And what I've found with my fitness tracker is I'm losing interest in it. Um, I want it to do more. And right across the street is Apple Watch, which is a little bit more robust. Now, the Apple Watch isn't ready for me yet. It's too clunky, too big. Um, they, I think that's where Fitbit's going to run into some problems. And it just feels like they're trying to use celebrities to endorse it. One of the celebrities that they have in their commercials is Shaquille O'Neal. And if you've seen Shaquille O'Neal on TV recently, he does not look like the kind of man who can run one mile. So it's cute. It's certainly, I've got a coworker, you know, she gets on it as well. And, you know, our goal is to get about 15,000 steps in a day. And uh, it drives me crazy when she does it, and I don't. Um, it's about seven, eight miles, uh, sometimes a little bit more. But um, I'm competitive with her, but I don't think that's going to last. So anyway, Apple, nearly 20% of Apple Watch buyers are not only shelling out hundreds of dollars for the timepiece, but they're also buying a spare band, and that's got Apple feeling pretty good. The entry-level sports band retails for about 49 bucks. It costs $2 to make. That's pretty impressive. Now, there's other expenses such as packaging and shipping that won't you know, capture the full cost of what I just told you, but you get the idea. Um, so maybe Apple's in the business of selling bands and not watches. So... Uh, they think that about 2.7 million people have bought watches so far, as of mid-June. Um, and they think, you know, there's a large percentage that purchased more than one band, 17%. Um, the Black Sport band is the most popular choice for both the band that comes with the device and the extras ordered by consumers. The $149 Milanese Loop is the second most popular band, suggesting many consumers are pairing a practical sport band with a more luxurious option to make it a little more practical. You can see how this adds up, right? Um, it's like I have a friend who 
she wants the Apple phone, right? And she looks to save money here and there. And my advice to her is, you know, buy last year's phone. Um, the day that Apple starts selling the 6, buy the 5S. Same day. Go in there and they'll be like, sure. And you'll get a pretty decent price comparatively. Um, if you could have that mentality, you'll have more money. A lot of people can't stick to that because I need the newest, greatest, best thing that cures hemorrhoids. Automakers caught short of fuel-efficient cars when gas prices soared in 2008 now find themselves facing the opposite problem. Not a, enough SUVs and pickups and too many cars. Pickup and SUV sales were up 10% in the first five months of the year compared with the same period last year. Car sales were up just, were down 1.3%. So you'll probably get a better deal on a car this year than you will on a truck or an SUV. As the summer sales season is about to hit full swing, automakers are canceling vacations and adding shifts at truck plants. General Motors is cutting production of the Orion Township plant that makes its Chevy Sonic subcompact. Ford cut a shift at the Wayne plant in Michigan that makes the Focus, which is a compact car. Um, McDonald's is going to close more stores this year than expected. For the first time in 40 years, the number of McDonald's restaurants in America is shrinking. Uh, the closures are outpacing new fast food restaurants in America. U.S. sales have been on the decline for the past five years. The companies could close 700 underperforming restaurants. Keep in mind, they've got 36,000 total locations. Um, customers want to personalize their meals with locally relevant ingredients. They also want to enjoy eating in a contemporary inviting atmosphere. Uh, that's not what McDonald's offers. Now, McDonald's is opening hundreds of restaurants in Europe and Asia. One of the McDonald's most successful current markets is France, ooh la la, where the exper their experience is far superior to the ones in America. Customers place orders on touch screens that feature different languages. The restaurants also have high-end offerings like an elevated McCafe and a blue cheeseburger. In Australia, workers prepare fresh food orders in front of the customers. Item features fresh ingredients like pineapple and guacamole. So McDonald's isn't such a mess everywhere just here in the United States. The SEC said that they plan to fine AT&T about $100 million for misleading customers about its unlimited mobile data plans. AT&T failed to adequately notify its customers that they could receive speeds slower than the normal network speeds that AT&T advertised. If customers use more than five gigabytes of data for the month, the carrier slowed its data transmission speeds to levels that made using mobile apps difficult or impossible. Um, so this is all about marketing what they promised. Interesting. Uh, to get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Uh, South Korean brands Kia and Hyundai have moved up to the top of the pack, right under Porsche, as far as quality in the JD Power and Associates initial quality study. Uh, going down, Japanese car makers. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
Media, tech editor at street.com. Chris, how are you? Good, Rob. How are you today? Good. We got a kind of a light set of topics to cover today, but I like them nonetheless. Um, you're out at E3, or you're covering a little E3 Nintendo action? What do you have for us? Yeah, I was covering uh, E3 um, Monday and Tuesday, and Nintendo's announcement, as it's been in the past, is kind of passe, but I think some of the bigger things are are that it's really continuing to push with this Amiibo trend, which if you're not familiar with what Amiibos are, they're basically uh, dolls that you can uh, input into your Nintendo 3DS or the, or the Wii U, and they give you, um, you know, special powers or they help your characters grow. So it's been a, another way for Nintendo to get a couple bucks out of its, you know, rabid fan base. And it's something different. You know, you've seen a lot of these companies like uh, Disney, uh, Lego, and, and Time Warner are doing it. You know, they're doing, they're kind of following on this trend with them, their own version of Amiibos. So I think it's something that Nintendo has shown that's innovative, um, even though, you know, it's not, you know, this enormous, you know, new game or new platform, but it's something that's interesting and appeals to, to a whole bunch of people. Okay. Um, are you actually at E3, or did you actually go to E3? No, I was not at E3. I'm here in New York, uh, where I, we're right outside the New York Stock Exchange, and the big thing going on today is Fitbit's IPO. So, I, so we were worrying about Fitbit's IPO, but no, I'm not at E3 today. Okay, I'm just curious. What do you think about the Fitbit IPO? You know, uh, at, the, at the offering price, I was very bullish on it at close to $35 or wherever it's trading now. I'm a little less bullish on it just because I think you've seen so much of the run-up. Um, but I'm pleasantly surprised by the company's financials. You know, you see most tech companies when they go public, they've, they're nowhere near profitability. Their, their growth is slowing, um, and it's, you know, a concern for some investors. But Fitbit is just the opposite. You know, people are moving into wearable technology. People want to be healthier, and the company's profitable. So, you know, I've met James Park, the CEO. You know, I've interviewed him before. You know, I think he's got a vision um, to where he can take this company, but at the back of everyone's mind is what does Apple do? You know, you've seen Apple Watch come out. You know, we've seen some mixed reception to it, and it remains to be seen where Apple really takes this thing. But I think that's the big thing if you're an investor in Fitbit is what does Apple do? And if, if it's not Apple, then who else? Yeah, there's some details uh, leaked already today about the next Apple Watch 2. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that it happened on the day that Fitbit IPO'd. Uh, I might be making up a conspiracy theory, but it is interesting that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous for Fitbit because I have a job owned up and I like it. But after a couple months, quickly you're like, oh, I, I know what 15,000 steps feels like now. And maybe that's like, that I'm going to have a little bit of, I need more from it. So and that's where the, I think the watch has that, you know, sex appeal, so to speak, if it can, can keep developing features. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of what, you know, James Park, the CEO of Fitbit, has kind of touched on is, okay, well, now you have this device and it can do some of these similar things, but where do, where do you go from here? And I think that's kind of where he's trying to take the company, but it's tough to compete with a company that has $190 billion in cash and you just raised – 700 million I mean, it's like it's not they're not even on the same planet much less the same ballpark um so 
ultimately, I think that Fitbit is going to be an, a niche product. Um, and if Apple really wants to crush this market, they will. Because, I mean, just by the law of large numbers, any company that has $190 billion in cash can do pretty much whatever the heck it wants. So pretty if it wants so. to go out and crush Fitbit or Jawbone or some of the other smartwatch makers or fitness wearable makers, it can just by the share of having so much money uh, on its balance sheet. So we'll be interested to see where Apple really takes this and, and, and Fitbit goes as well. Let's jump back to E3 coverage. Um, and you, you know, wrote a lot about Nintendo. Can they compete in the world of Sony and Microsoft as far as the gaming platforms, as far as you know, be profitable and not fail or not be seen as the the third player in a market of two? I don't think with the Wii U they're ever going to compete with the Xbox One or the PS4. I think Nintendo's hope for the console is its next console, which they codenamed NX. And unfortunately, we didn't get anything from Nintendo other than for them to say they're going to talk more about it next year. So I have no idea what they what their plans are for this whole platform. They've already shot down that it would be based on Android, but Nintendo tends to shoot things down and then they come out to be truer later. Do I think I don't think they're going to have something based on Android, but I'm really curious to see what they do with this new platform because the Wii was such an enormous success because it was so different than everything that you've seen that you'd seen before. And the Wii U tried to, to be a little bit more like an Xbox 360 or, or PS3 before the new systems came out. And Nintendo fans were not happy with it. I mean, sales have gotten better because they've improved some of the software titles and they're starting to package it with software and they've cut the price. But it's not the monster hit that the Wii was. And I think it'll be really tough for Nintendo... To, to, to deliver that kind of hit. They've done it in the past with, obviously, with their first Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and N64. But people, it's a completely different time now. People use smartphones and tablets to play video games, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with their next console. Let's change the topic to Jurassic World. You've recently seen it, and you want to give us some thoughts on why we should see it. Yeah, I think Jurassic World is... It, it appeals to everybody, you know, whether you're five years old or 105 years old. And judging by the receipts at the box office, everyone and their brother is seeing it. They've already done over half a billion dollars worldwide. They were the biggest opening in U.S. box office history and the biggest box office in international history. So, I mean, it, it seems like if you haven't seen it by now, you really should go see it just because everyone has seen it. And, I mean, who doesn't love dinosaurs? I know when I was a kid, I loved dinosaurs. I still love, you know, the mythology and, and reading about dinosaurs. And it's, it's it's an interesting thing to see on the screen, to see, you know, these dinosaurs in a, in a, a working amusement park. I mean, whether that really happens or not is anybody's guess. But, you know, it's something, you know, on the silver screen that takes you your mind away from daily troubles for two hours. And it's a, it's a fun popcorn movie. Yeah. Um, I hear it's kind of got a, some sarcasm in it. Some, like, pretty well-written scenes where, like, yeah, yeah, we're not impressed with dinosaurs anymore. Kind of undertone. And that's kind of reflects kids today. They walk around with iPads and iPhones and 
what was magical five, ten years ago is just kind of accepted in norm now. So it, it's kind of got a statement on technology as well. Yeah, it definitely does. You see that. I mean, they talk about how attendance spikes at the park whenever they unveil a new attraction, but it's just like anything else in, in today's society. What have you done for me lately? So we're always, as a society, we're always demanding bigger, faster, and better, and, and the, the movie kind of pokes fun at society with that kind of theme and eventually how that runs amok in the park. Sounds good. Thanks for joining me today. That is Chris Siaccia, tech editor with TheStreet.com, tech editor with TheStreet.com, talking a little Nintendo, talking a little Fitbit, and Jurassic World. Uh, he's got some articles at TheStreet.com. If you go to the site, uh, just type in his last name, C-I-A, C-I-A, speaking of C-I-A, C-I-A, and uh, you'll pull it on up, and uh, as tech editor, it's a pretty cool job, so... Uh, the one thing in the world that I will certainly miss uh, as I grow old. I've already started to become jaded with technology. Citing an improving economy, the Federal Reserve signaled Wednesday, yesterday, that it's on track to raise historically low interest rates as early as September, but that rates would go slowly up, slower up than previously anticipated. Um, so she doesn't want to provide a roadmap, but Fed policymakers continue to expect federal funds rates to rise from fractions to maybe half of one percentage point by the end of the year, um, in line with their median estimate that they released in March. The Fed depicted an economy that largely has emerged from first quarter slump, but the weaker dollar is going to be very interesting. Um, so if you take a look at what happened right after the meeting, the dollar got weaker. And right now you're seeing companies like Oracle say, hey, the weaker dollar killed us. We wouldn't, we've earned more money. Um, so if you're focused on earnings per share for international companies, you had to like what happened as far as the week when this goes. But it also tells you that it's sending a message um, that Yellen thinks we're data dependent, and people think that we're going to keep money rates low. Um, so there's going to be no big run towards investing in the dollar and propping it up. Um, so that's what the investors were saying. It's tough to kind of manage talking about the dollar, but I do my best. Uh, Oracle made something pretty interesting in their conference call. They talked about how much money they make off of cloud versus software licensing deals. Um, so they were pleased with their quarter. Yeah, I'm not so much. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. So yesterday, the Fed said an improving economy, we're going to raise interest rates, but it's going to be a long, slow grind up, and Wall Street liked that. Um, she, she did say we're still data dependent, and Wall Street should like that, because it would be healthy to get higher rates. Go ask your grandparents, anyone over 60 who wants to put money in a CD and hasn't been able to do that for a long time. Um, savings not rewarded right now, investing is. Anytime the 10-year treasury is under 4%, it's always wise in my move, in my world, not yours, but mine, to put money in the stock market. Um, summer's not always a great period for stocks, but there's some that beat the market every summer for the past five years. It is summertime, right? I'm allowed to talk about this. Um, the average gain from the low of the summer to the high has been about 9.2% since 1964, which isn't bad. Summer has been unpredictable, cementing its shaky reputation with investors. A lot of people don't like investing in the summer months because a lot of Wall Streeters are at the beach. Um, Keurig Green Mountain has gained an average of 20% over the past five quarters, well above the 1% gain by the S&P 500 during the same time. Uh, last summer, its stock was up 8.1% during the summer months. Doesn't mean that'll do it again. And uh, there's certainly, you know, Apple has a pretty good average summer gain in the past five years, um, which is interesting to note because now we're starting to move towards that time of the year where what's going to be in the next iPhone? conversations start to happen. Uh, Apple wants their phone ready for back to school. Uh, so September, roughly, is when we're going to start seeing uh, some of the news come out, which, again, there's already news out today about the Apple II watch, probably coming in 2016. It will have a FaceTime camera. It will be embedded into the top bezel of the watch so you can make and receive video calls from your wrist. The current Apple Watch mirrors the camera on your phone and acts as a remote control for your iPhone's camera shutter. Apple wants you to be able to use the next Apple Watch without being near your phone. Apple Watch 2 will come with a different chipset that makes it easier to perform tasks on the watch, such as text messaging and emailing, without being tethered to your phone. Apple is calling this tetherless. It's okay. Sure, I'm good with that. New watch models are coming with different tiers. Uh, there's one that's going to fall into roughly a $10,000 edition. Unclear exactly how Apple plans to do this. Um, different materials, whether it's platinum or titanium, might be the way they do it. Um, and it doesn't look like at this point in time that Apple's going to even try to improve battery life improvements. Uh, most watch owners still have between 30 and 40% of battery left at the end of the day, and they don't mind charging it overnight. So that's one of the big stories that is out there today. Um, still, the Apple Watch is kind of a tale of two users. Um, some people like it as a watch and a fitness device. Some people, you know, uh, sleep with it on and has it gently wake them up with the alarm, which people find amazing. Um, I'm not going to get too much into it. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to, I'm not a first-generation buyer. 
So never have been, never will. Uh, maybe when I was a wee lad. So Fitbit stock's up a big 50%. That's got some people questioning sanity. Because when you see what's going to be in the iWatch 2, you know, is there demand for a low-end product? Sure. But I don't know. Uh, a lot of people were fascinated with Google Glass for a while. And that fascination totally went the way of, hmm, did I sell mine or did I put it in a drawer somewhere? So, because I, I didn't use it, but I know people did. Uh, you couldn't really get around the financial district without seeing people with their Google Glass. And there's a lot of uh, concern on like bars and people videotaping without your permission and stuff like that that kind of came with it. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Um, move over, Hamilton. A chick's coming on the $20 bill. In the year 2020, the 100th anniversary of the U.S. Constitution's 19th Amendment, um, we're going to put a woman on our money. Um, it's going to take nearly five years for you to see it because the intricate planning for a redesign uh, will be Rosa Parks, will be Harriet Tubman. Um, so it's going to be a security upgrade as well. You know, there's no living man, no living president could be on a a, uh, a bill. So I find that interesting. You have to be dead. So uh, no living person may appear on a bill. Uh, and George Washington must stay on the $1 bill forever, which is kind of weird, according to what the Treasury is telling us. So 800-516-1220. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, any last thoughts? Nah, be careful of the Fitbit. That's the one that's got me the most concerned for investors out there. It's feeling to me a lot like Skull Candy. It's feeling to me a lot like King Digital. King Digital. Uh, Candy Crush. I don't see a lot of real innovation there. And I see a lot of celebrity endorsements. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.